freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. everybody. Welcome to episode number 389 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com, where you set the price on guns, ammo, and accessories. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. The theme today is protecting individual liberties, and our guest is Michael Gibbs. Michael is the president of AZCDL and a registered lobbyist for the organization, as well as an Arizona director of the Tenth Amendment Center. Michael Gibbs is a systems engineer in the aerospace industry, a patented inventor, instrument-rated pilot, published author of numerous technical and political publications, a rescue diver, and a highly involved advocate for rights and freedoms. Welcome to the show, Michael. That was quite a mouthful. <laughs> yes, it Thank was. It's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you got a, a couple of things going uh, in the background there. I love that you're um, also involved with the 10th Amendment Center. I, I watch their stuff. I share their stuff. Um, and also, full disclaimer, uh, you are the president of the Arizona Citizens Defense League, the C4 arm, the legislative arm. I have the honor and the privilege of, of being the vice president. And so, um, I, of course, we both fully uh, have those um, values, and, and we are excited to be able to uh, do that work here in our home state of Arizona. But all of that being said, um, you know, politics have really infiltrated our personal lives in a way that they really were never intended to. You know, the Bill of Rights is a firewall saying, you know, these are the things the government is not allowed to do in our personal lives. And so we should be able to talk about our rights without talking about politics, but it really has blurred a bit. But all of that being said, what would you say your background is politically? Well, uh, I think it goes back to high school. I actually, uh, the school that I went to had a uh, program where right after uh, the Christmas break every year, they would do two weeks of what they called mini courses. And there was a whole variety of different things you could do. But one of the courses they offered was to spend two weeks down at the Colorado State Capitol. And uh, I signed up for that one of the years uh, that I was in school there. And it was absolutely fascinating because uh, we got to meet a bunch of the state legislators we got to see how the process works. And uh, the final project during that two-week period was actually to introduce our own bill and defend it in front of a committee of real state legislators. Wow. Um, so that, that, was, that was a really a great opportunity that I don't think very many people get. Uh, quite a few years later, I got involved with the Center for Self-Governance, uh, which is a uh, nonpartisan educational organization. They teach... Uh, they start off with what they call foundational civ uh, civics, but it's really the civics that you should have learned in school that you that right. you aren't taught. They have a right. five level program. Uh, in those days, uh, when I took it originally, it was forty hours of training, but uh, it teaches individual citizens how to behave like citizen lobbyists, how to have the level of effectiveness that political lobbyists have. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's uh, it's a terrific program. I graduated. They have since kind of revamped it to reduce the, the uh, time requirements and so forth, make it easier for people to participate in, but uh, still really a terrific class. And then I got involved with the 10th Amendment Center. Um, the 10th Amendment Center has uh, sort of a national presence, but uh, there are also a number of uh, individual state uh, chapters, if you will. Um, uh, you know, it's, uh, 
their focus is on you know the elements of the 10th amendment itself as a way of controlling overreach by the federal government um, you know i'm sure your listeners are aware that you know the 10th amendment says that the power is not delegated to the united states by the constitution or prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states and the people respectively um, but the the ideas that underpin that in terms of you know practical application uh, were probably first spelled out by James Madison and uh, and uh, Thomas Jefferson in the Virginia and Kentucky Resolves of 1798 and 1799. Uh, some people refer to them today as the principles of 98, uh, but they basically include three main concepts, anti-commandeering, nullification, and interposition. You know, basically, anti-commandeering is the notion that the federal government cannot force the states to carry out a federal program. And it turns out that that's actually something that's been uh, upheld, <laughs> discussed uh, in five, no, no fewer than five uh, Supreme Court decisions. So this is something that, that even the federal government recognizes at that level. And that is uh, something that we actually have employed. One of my favorite pieces of legislation that AZCDL accomplished last year uh, was an anti-commandeering bill, which we can probably talk about a bit later when we get into legislation. Mm-hmm. Well, that and is, then, oh, go ahead. go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and in terms of AZCDL itself, uh, I've been a life member for 16 years. Uh, I was, I've been uh, vice president of the organization for four years. And then, uh, you know, this year I was made uh, president. Also, as you mentioned, a registered lobbyist for AZCDL. Absolutely. Well, that is quite a resume, quite uh, a constitutionally based uh, mindset. And so uh, I love the opportunities that you were given when you were young, which I, I have to believe helped shape your ideas and, and where you put your focus and your time and energy as you matured. And it's a shame that we aren't giving more opportunities to more young people these days. Because our, our schools are controlled by the government and the government doesn't like what he's doing right <laughs> now. Right. right. So they stopped it. because we, we, I didn't have that opportunity in school. I'd have loved that. You know, it, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, you, you learn, you know, you actually get to, did your, did your bill pass that you, uh, pre, that you sent through? It, it was referred to committee, which they considered to be a good outcome. Awesome. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, civics is, is uh, almost a lost thing yeah. these days and we've got to try to revive it. Um, so we've mentioned the AZCDL, the Arizona Citizens Defense League, a few times. We are sitting in the studio on um, Tuesday, August 30th of 2022, and um, we would be remiss if we don't remember our friend and our co-founder of the organization, AZCDL, and the man that was our president uh, right up until April of this year when he um, stepped aside, but actually stepped up to President Emeritus. And of course, I'm referring to uh, the one and only Dave Kopp, who we just recently lost to cancer um, just a, a few days ago. I believe it was the 24th of, of August, 2022, when, when Dave went home to be to, in heaven. And um, what talk to us about about Dave for a minute. I know many of our listeners may not even know him, but they they definitely have benefited from the work he dedicated his life to. Oh, absolutely. Uh, every gun owner in Arizona owes Dave a, a grit of gratitude. <laughs> of gratitude. Let me try that again. Um, I met Dave shortly after I joined AZCDL in 2006. Um, at first, you know, it was just uh, saw him at an annual meeting or two, said hello kind of thing. But over the years, um, you know, I, I got to know him a bit better. And in 2016, he approached me with the idea of becoming a, uh, an apprentice lobbyist for AZCDL. And uh, I took that as a tremendous opportunity also. So um, I said, yeah, absolutely. And so for probably about three legislative sessions, um, I got to follow Dave around, uh, attend meetings with legislators, uh, go through the whole process of, of what is done, you know, by a professional lobbyist uh, in order to get things to happen. Uh, so that was absolutely invaluable. You know, I was learning the ropes. Uh, how does the legislature operate? How do committees work? 
um, how the leadership in each of the you know House and Senate control which bills can move forward, which ones uh, you know are going to die in the process, uh, the role of the public in legislative process, and uh, how our uh, request to speak system works here in Arizona, which is really a tremendous uh, tool for us to use, and what goes on behind the scenes, because a lot of what happens in the process of moving a bill through happens not in the public meetings and stuff, but in the discussions that the legislators have with each other behind the scenes. Uh, and there's just so much there, um, you know, that he was able to teach me. I'm, I'm sure he would say that he taught me everything I know, but not everything he knows. Uh, <laughs> the other thing that really hit home was the importance of AZCDL's membership, because, um, you know, while we have people down at the legislature, you know, who are doing this work, what opens those doors are the member numbers and stuff. You know, when, when we say to a legislator, Hey, you know, we're not happy with your position on this bill and we're going to let our membership know about it. And they start getting literally thousands of emails, phone calls. That's what gets those doors opened for us. And they say, all right, all right, come back and, and, you know, talk to us some more. We've even had legislators say to us, how do I make it stop? <laughs> we tell them, do the right thing. That'll make it stop. <laughs> I love it. That's beautifully said. Um, yeah. So Dave Kopp, uh, he really was an amazing mentor to, to me. And, um, you know, th there's a saying out there, you know, be careful, don't meet your, your heroes, the people you admire, because they can only disappoint. That, that is absolutely not the case with Dave. He constantly um, inspired me. And um, he, the way that he would, would mentor wasn't like, he wouldn't just sit there and, and talk at you ad nauseum. Like he would present to you what was going on and he would wait for, for me to ask questions about well, what do I not yet know? What, what should I know? But he also didn't leave me bumbling around, which was <laughs> very nice. Um, and I did get the opportunity this past session to shadow him and Michael and Fanson, who is also our, um, our, our registered lobbyist with AZCDL. And uh, it was such an invaluable opportunity, as you say, to just kind of learn the nuts and bolts of testifying, you know, showing up at the yeah. Capitol and, you know, how do you intelligently and impactfully testify and try to say something that's not just a canned talking point because everybody's tired of those. And that I think was one of the most uh, amazing things that, that Dave did by not doing is, you know, he, he said, I'm, I'm not going to write anything for you. You, you need to show up and just speak from your own personal experience, why this bill impacts you either in a positive way or a negative way. And I mean, that was like taking the reins off. Because now I, I didn't feel like, oh, okay, we have certain AZCDL talking points or some structured, rigid way of, of presenting things. It was truly me as an individual citizen being able to speak on behalf of my life and anybody that, that my experience resonated with. Um, it, was, it was amazing. And yeah. uh, I wish I could have downloaded more of his brain into mine before he left us, but he was so generous with his time and, and um, he will be well-remembered. Uh, I, I know you agree. Yeah, uh, I remember one particular event when uh, I was with Dave visiting a legislator and uh, the two of them were talking for a bit and Dave laid out the case that he had for a particular bill that was being considered and in, you know, just, just did a perfect job of presenting why it was important. And after a bit, the legislator looked at me and said, uh, you know, did you have anything to add? And I said, well, no. I said, Dave said it all very well. And I learn a lot more by listening than by talking. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Dave kind of emulated that as well. Like he would speak when it was important to speak and quiet when it was important to be quiet. And, uh, yeah. you know, sometimes that, that did speak louder. So talking about the, the organization itself, the AZCDL, um, there, there are two wings, right? There's the, the uh, legislative arm, the C4, as we've said, you're the president, I'm the vice president of. There's the C3, which is the foundation. That's more the educational arm, 
Um, we're working on, on bringing the Faster Saves Lives uh, school emergency uh, program here to Arizona from Ohio through the efforts of the organization. I'm the president of that one. Uh, David Laird is our vice president of that one, and he's also a trainer. So he's that liaison for the, the Faster Saves Lives program. And um, so the, the two organizations, you know, they are separate. Your tax status is separate. You know, if you want to make a donation to one versus the other, one is a write-off, one is not. But the mission that we're working on, the, the two organizations are wings of the organization work synergistically together. And again, that is attributable to Dave Kopp and the other founders, um, John Wentling, Charles Heller, and Fred Dank, who retired just a year or so ago. Um, what pioneers that, that we get to stand on the shoulders of is just incredible. But this most recent session here in Arizona, what would you say some of our um, greatest accomplishments are? Uh, the Faster Saves Lives work that we're doing would be from the C3 arm, but from the C4 arm, the legislative, what would you say some of our biggest accomplishments are? Uh, well, I have to agree with your comments about having, uh, you know, the two uh, organizations, if you will, you know, uh, as part of one effort here, because, uh, you know, the C3 is able to do things that the C4 can't do and vice versa. So that gives us tremendous flexibility in terms of uh, how we carry out the, the basic mission. Um, I, I think if you if you look back historically in terms of accomplishments, uh, probably nothing compares with constitutional carry. Now that wasn't this last year's efforts, but uh, I think it's a really good illustration of the process. Uh, it took quite a few legislative sessions over several years before something of that magnitude was able to make its way through the whole process. And that's true of so much of what we work on. Uh, you know, we, we make little incremental improvements until we reach our particular goal. Um, but, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, people maybe don't appreciate today is that, you know, prior to AZCDL's involvement and in, in getting constitutional carry to happen, uh, you know, in Arizona, you could open carry since we were um, just a territory, but you could not conceal a weapon. Uh, and nowadays, we take it for granted that you don't need a permission slip from government to carry a firearm. Um, and I think the uh, another one that was really big, it was uh, the 2021 session, though, uh, was uh, House Bill 2111. And where that really uh, shines to me is that it prohibits state and political subdivisions from using personnel or financial resources to enforce federal laws and regulations that are inconsistent with Arizona law. So it basically means that if the federal government says, well, you can only have a 10 round magazine. Well, Arizona law is inconsistent with that. We don't put a limit on that. So when the FBI comes in and wants to arrest somebody, what typically happens is they enlist local law enforcement people to, to do the job for them because they don't have the resources to do it themselves. And now uh, the you know state and local police are not permitted to assist them in something that would violate state law. And I think that's uh, it's a huge accomplishment. Uh, more recently, um, this last session, let's see, what did we have? Um, I think a pretty big one was uh, Senate Bill 1177. Uh, a lot of people have complained this last year or so at how long it takes to get a concealed carry permit renewed. And, uh, you know, they sent in their paperwork. And months and months go by, they don't hear anything. They reach a point where their old one expires and now they're in trouble. So, um, you know, and we've been working that behind the scenes as well. Even members of the AZCDL board and officers have been impacted by that one. But uh, 1177 now requires uh, DPS to send renewal notices and applications out to CCW holders 60 days prior to expiration dates. So that should prevent some people from inadvertently getting into trouble. Uh, another really important one was Senate Bill 1251, which expanded the definition of armed robbery. Um, now, this might sound like, you know, sort of a corner case situation, but if somebody is committing a crime and is not armed, but in the process of carrying out that crime, manages to take someone's weapon or attempts to take someone's weapon, that just turned it into armed robbery, which is a much more serious offense and, you know, probably appropriate for the situation. So a lot of what we do isn't necessarily the big ticket items like constitutional carry, but uh, 
smaller nuances of the law that can get law-abiding citizens into trouble or uh, you know, let people off maybe when they shouldn't be. We had a number of bills that um, died at the end of the legislative session this time when the legislature adjourned. That's not uncommon at all. There's always things that don't make it all the way through the process, but one that we've been working on for several years uh, was uh, what we just referred to as public buildings. Basically, uh, the ability for CCW permit holders to enter public buildings uh, while armed. Uh, public buildings, meaning you know, government institutions, that sort of thing. Uh, but like other bills, you know, this is something that we introduce every year, and you know, we learn from each experience. Oh, maybe this particular aspect of the bill is a stumbling block, so let's make some changes, you know, until we finally get to our objective. And uh, probably the most notable one that uh, actually failed in the legislature this year, uh, not because they ran out of time, but because it got shot down in the process was uh, campus carry, uh, mm. CCW permit holders being allowed to carry on college campuses. Yes, that uh, and, and usually the reasons that the legislators give for why they can't vote on them, uh, it, they stem from really kind of ignorance and that sounds like an insulting word and I don't I don't mean it that way I mean it in its purest form they don't really know what they don't even know you know and so it's <laughs> our job as as um you know citizens as people that go in and, and offer testimony to help bring that information to them and help them understand this is how as a as an individual citizen this is how this impacts me and we had some really good testimony on um, the public buildings and the campus carry that uh, for whatever reason, it wasn't compelling enough this particular year, but we, we have um, you know, more chances, like you said. And the, the one thing you mentioned was the uh, SB 2111, Sanctuary yes. State is how most people I think would refer to, to that. And you, you, you cringe when I say that, tell me why. Uh, well, let's just say that um, people use that term sanctuary in a lot of different ways. And, uh, you know, obviously it can be used uh, you know, either for or against what we would consider, you know, individual liberty. But um, it's, uh, I really like to focus on the legal underpinnings rather than on, uh, you know, terms that are maybe uh, popular online and stuff, you know, and the, the real thing is it's an anti-commandeering bill and the folks from the 10th Amendment Center were highly supportive of it as we worked on that as well, um, because it's all about, you know, people say, oh, you know, states' rights and pushing back and stuff. It's like, well, states don't have rights. People have rights. Uh, what states have is authority and the federal government has authority. And when the federal government exceeds that authority, it's the right time for the state to say, look, we can't stop you from doing this but we're not going to cooperate. We're not going to help you do something that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and I, I'm glad that we, we connected those dots between the, yep. the anti-commandeering and the, uh, what the popular common cultural term of sanctuary state. So well said, you look like it's you're okay. waiting to say It's okay no. to say sanctuary. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to be, to give people more ways to refer yep. to something, right? Yeah. Right. Well, the AZ's, AZ CDL is having their uh, annual meeting coming up. Mm -hmm. And uh, so can you tell us about what that's about and who can come to that? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, our annual meeting every year is uh, second Saturday of October. So this year it'll be October 8th. Um, it's uh, for members only, but uh, for folks that would like to attend, we'd, be, we'd love to have you sign up and become a member. Uh, each year, we alternate the venue between Phoenix and Tucson. So this year, it's going to be in Phoenix at the beautiful Sheraton Crescent Hotel. Uh, we typically have uh, a number of legislators that will show up, usually uh, the people that have been most supportive of us uh, you know, during, during the session. Uh, Cheryl has put together a tremendous uh, platform of guest speakers this year. Um, I don't, we probably don't have time to go into the background on all of them, but uh, there's going to be some folks there that you're really going to want to hear from, I'm sure. Um, we also, will, of course, we'll have, you know, our AZCDL officers and lobbyists will be there. We're going to have raffles, uh, auctions. Uh, it's a chance to meet and mingle with other firearms owners. And, of course, we'll feed you a delicious lunch, too. Awesome. Absolutely. From 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., I believe. Uh, That's right. 
remembering correctly. And um, I have not had a chance to get to any of the Tucson uh, events, but uh, when it's right here in Phoenix and you get the to spend a day with uh, people that you share values with and you're kind of on a shared mission with, even if you're just a, a member that, you know, just likes to kind of pay your dues and sit back and, and know that you're being well represented, it's still an amazing opportunity to get together with people. And if you're the kind of member that pays your dues and says, no, I want to have an actual voice. I want to show up and testify. Well, even better. And so it's a wonderful opportunity to get together. And, and I will reveal a couple of names of our panelists. We have Ashley Lebensky. Now, Ashley is um, right here in Arizona, but she is a historian. She has testified in front of Congress and she is very she was the curator for the Cody Firearms Museum for many years. And so, you know, she is very uh, concerned with like, how do we convey uh, messages? How do we bring history forward and make it understandable and usable? And so language is very important to her. So when she testified in front of Congress, it was about the ghost gun issue. And she says, that's a made up term. It's a pejorative term. It is not something that people that are for our rights should ever repeat, as I've said it already on this show. Um, and so she was correcting uh, that language in front of Congress, thought it was tremendous. Holly Sullivan is another one of our speakers, personal, awesome friend of mine. She is the only president, female president of a, um, a CDL uh, in the nation. So she's from Connecticut, and uh, so she'll be out here, and um, she's talking, uh, she testified in front of Congress about having the voice of those of us who are part of that, that demographic that says two and a half million times every year, lives are saved with firearms because of responsibly armed citizens, and uh, two, uh, what is the number, 2,000 times each year. A woman prevents sexual assault because she was responsibly armed. We never have a part of the conversation at, at the table in Washington, D.C. when they're trying to rip our rights away from us. And so she went and she helped, um, you know, straighten out that uh, lack of a voice there. Uh, we also have Nikki Gozer. Nikki um, lived through a horrible, horrible tragedy. Her husband was murdered in front of her by a man who didn't care about the uh, no guns allowed sign on the door of the establishment they were inside of. And she left her gun at home because she was a law-abiding citizen and the murderer of her husband did not. So Nikki Gozer, um, she's testified in front of Congress about you know being denied an opportunity to protect and preserve our, her husband's one and only God-given life. Um, Teresa Einacker, she's going to be coming and she is, um, a, she's a, a lawyer actually. And so she definitely uh, talks, uh, to us about the importance of proper language use, that sort of thing. It's going to be a great panel of people talking about the importance of having that voice speaking up. Don't just sit back and abdicate, um, your, your opportunity to speak to others and draw others in to better understand your values and your rights. Um, and I think it's going to be a very impactful afternoon. And so I actually we, had a, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I was gonna say, I, I had a, I've had some interaction with the Cody, uh, firearms museum. Mm -hmm. Uh, when my, one of my uncles passed away, his, uh, wife gave me a, very, very old rifle, and I didn't know anything about it. And it turns out they have a massive database of different kinds of antique firearms and stuff, right down to serial numbers and everything. And they were able to identify when it was built, what it is, you know, and so forth. It was really, really helpful. Yeah, that is tremendous. Mm -hmm. And the, the museum itself is gorgeous. She was, Ashley was part of the full renovation, millions of dollars of renovation um and reopened recently uh but it's just it's beautiful it's um engaging you know it's not just dry and static there's lots of, of places to engage 
but um, that's really, I mean, her fingerprints are all over that. And I did forget one of our speakers, uh, Lauren Snyder. Now Lauren is here in Arizona. And when we talked about that public buildings uh, testimony that we gave, she is one that gave such an impactful testimony, never showed up at the Capitol before, never testified before. But um, she said, look, I am an other abled person. She held up her cane. She says, I walk with a cane. And having that tool of self-defense with me is everything to someone like me. And if I have to, you know, go into this particular building and leave that tool of self-defense behind, well, the bad guys know that. Predators look for that. And one of our um, legislators, Democrat, says, well, I'm a gun owner too, but, right, there's that word, but, and he said, but I don't feel the need to have it with me everywhere I go. All right. He's an able-bodied male person, right? Who's making a choice not to uh, take his firearm. And he basically said, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he said, if you're that afraid, then at that point, you should just stay home. Yeah. Just he ridiculous. Yeah. And, yeah. and we got it on tape. We do. And he would have never said that if Lauren hadn't have shown up and told her personal story. And so um, her her testimony is so impactful. And so she's going to be on our panel as well. But um, moving on, um, the future of AZCDL. So you've mentioned the importance of, of membership. And we have a huge state right? We have tons of people in, in our state, brand new, just arriving here for all the wonderful freedoms that we have, uh, people that have lived here their whole lives, who are firearms owners. Every single one of those people should be our member. Talk to us about what our base is, you know, where, what kind of membership numbers do we have? And what are the benefits of, of becoming a member? Well, I would say, you know, uh, <laughs> to quote uh, Charles Dickens, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Obviously, uh, losing Dave Kopp uh, and, you know, some of the uh, political unrest that we have, uh, you know, we see all around us these days, it's the worst of times. But on the other hand, uh, it's also the best of times because we've made huge strides uh, legislatively, both at the state and the federal level and stuff. Uh, but you're right. Arizona is a huge state. Um, our population is now up to about 7.3 million. Wow. Uh, AZD, AZCDL has grown uh, quite rapidly over the years and has over 20,000 members now. But if you assume that, you know, 40 to 50 percent of Arizonans own a firearm, that's about 2.9 million, which means about 1 percent of them are members of AZCDL. So those you know, are rookie numbers, kids. We got to pump up those numbers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and those one percent are the ones that are protecting the freedoms of the rest, and uh, they need your help. Um, in the past, we've relied heavily on gun shows and other events. We set up tables there. A lot of our current members probably uh, were recruited in that way uh, by volunteers who work the tables and explain the benefits of, of membership and what we do. Uh, since the uh, pandemic that has shifted a lot because a lot of gun shows were canceled and a lot of other events and stuff. And so more of our recruiting is done online. Uh, you and uh, David Laird in particular have been uh, working very hard on expanding our uh, social media presence. And so we're able to reach a much, much broader audience than that. But, you know, there's still places where people don't even bother to have an internet connection. So there's still a need to approach it from every different angle. Absolutely. Uh, another big thing is the FASTER program. AZCDL Foundation is involved in it. I'm, I'm a huge proponent of FASTER, which is faculty and administrator safety training and emergency response. You know, people say, well, you know, hopes and prayers are not saving children at schools. And so, no, but FASTER will. Uh, and it's for real. You know, uh, people say, oh, I don't want to have armed teachers in the school. And it's like FASTER is about not only protecting students, but also responding when something bad happens. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as a rescue diver and a trained emergency responder, I can tell you that what happens after something bad occurs is as important for survival as, as what you do beforehand. So FASTER teaches scene management, emergency first aid, and so forth, as well as how to protect against an active, uh, you know, violent situation in schools. Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited that AZCDL Foundation is pursuing that and bringing that program here to Arizona for churches and schools and, uh, and, and the like. 
Um, so I think the other aspect of it is, that it, as well as increasing our membership in general, uh, you know, the last few years have seen a tremendous increase in the number of firearms that have been purchased by women and by people of color. So uh, it's very exciting to me that, uh, you know, it's not just all white guys who are, who are buying guns and getting interested in our right to keep and bear arms. So, uh, you know, we need to reach out to those other communities and make sure that they are included in what we do uh, and work with us, you know, to protect everyone's rights. So uh, there's a lot of really exciting stuff coming up. And of course, we'll continue to block bad bills and promote good bills at the legislature because that's, uh, you know, we really are the preeminent lobbying organization for firearms in the state. Right. Absolutely. You know, those numbers are so important. And when, when you hear that we have 1% of the gun owners in Arizona are members, that's very discouraging. And, you know, it's, it's so easy to join. Yeah. And it's inexpensive you you get notified of of bills that are being uh, attempted to go across the floor mm-hmm. um and you know if a politician is getting ready to do something that's bad the, the azcdl can go up to him and say hey oh we got a million members that say no right, <laughs> right? so we need to get those members even if you don't want to do anything just become a member just to get that number up right Absolutely. oh yeah yeah, so it's only 40 bucks a year to become a member and you help us uh, both through activism, but also through, like you say, just sheer numbers. You know, right. when we knock on a legislator's door and we say, hey, we represent, you know, 20,000 firearms owners, they know that a big chunk of those people are their constituents and right. it gets their attention. You know, you can write to them, you can call them. Those are good things to do. But uh, when someone shows up at the door, with those kinds of numbers behind them, it really makes a difference in terms of their willingness to listen to what you have to say. I, I remember having a conversation with Dave Kopp one day. We were sitting at the uh, one of the events, the 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 show, we, the thing we do at the Capitol. Oh, the rally. The rally to and uh, the Second and Amendment rally. Your Second Amendment. And I, you know, I say, Dave, how do you how do you approach one of these legislatures that is kind of negative on our rights? And he says, by the amount of members we have that i i can remember his face when he said it to me it's the numbers count and so we're telling people membership's important we're we're telling them that you know all across arizona if you're arizona resident you can be a member beyond arizona actually you can be a member but we haven't told them how yet michael how would they do that well the easiest thing to do is just to go to azcdl.org and there's a link right there on the page where you can click that and, uh, and join up right online. If you attend an event, a gun show or other event where we have a table, we usually discount uh, memberships there. So if you want to save a few dollars, uh, you can join at an event like that as well. And you can also choose from different levels of membership. Basic memberships, 40 bucks. Uh, sustaining membership is $60. We call it that because the people at that level are really the ones that keep us going. Uh, we also have family memberships. You know, if you have, uh, you know, lots of little ones running around or a spouse, uh, that's a less, uh, less expensive way to, to become involved. Life memberships uh, are also available if you don't want to keep sending us money in the future. <laughs> and that's I just generally like to... what I do, because I don't want to keep remembering which organization I have to re up with. So I'm just like, I'm just going lifetime. If I believe in you enough, I'm just going lifetime. And I absolutely yep. believe in the agency. Right. And, yeah. I, and I just want to add that with with the amount of people that are coming into Arizona mm-hmm. from states that are not concerned about rights, mm-hmm. a lot of the people that are coming from California right now still don't believe that we should have rights. Mm-hmm. And they're they're going to start influencing the area. So Absolutely. we need to fight them. You so do. And, you know, when you were saying you're kind of throwing those numbers out there, Michael, um, you know, it says in a state of 7.3 million, roughly there's roughly 2.9 million gun owners. Well, I'm not An sure. I, yeah, I'm sure there that number is bigger than because I don't answer surveys, right? I, I'm not out there saying, do you own a gun? Yes. How many guns? This Cheryl, many. They right? go by your house. They know you got guns. They don't even, they, <laughs> Cheryl, she has guns. Move on. But I, I pretty much assume any woman wearing polka dots has got a gun. So that's, that's right. right. It is my camo. <laughs> so that that's absolutely true. And so um, so that then would tell us that there's even more people out there in the state of Arizona that, you know, 
need to be more involved. The other side that wants to take our rights, they are um, loud. They are seemingly endlessly funded, right? They seemingly have endless amounts of energy and endless opportunities to have their voice heard on national and local, I always use air quotes, news, right? And we must be our, our own advocates, right? We have to be citizen journalists. We have to use these gadgets we carry around in our phone, in our pocket all the time, our cell phones. Uh, we have to use opportunities to testify in front of our legislature, talk to our neighbors and friends and support the organizations like AZCDL that support your values and your rights. And it's so affordable, honestly, $40 for a year's membership. Right. That's practical. And they do free. things and you, you don't have to be involved if you don't want to be, mm -hmm. but your number is important. Absolutely. So, I, I well, just, I would still encourage people once you join, yes. uh, you know, to respond when we send out uh, action alerts and so forth. Hey, your yeah. legislators need to hear from you. Let's let's right. hear from us. Yeah, it's like right. three clicks of a mouse. I think we can handle you that, know, right? You, you were talking about that poll for the Arizona, how many gun owners are in Arizona? Uh-huh. You could go to the gun show mm -hmm. and you could pull all the people and say, Do you own any guns? Nope. And 90% would say no, <laughs> no me. guns. Nope, no, no, no. No, I'm just thinking about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so because you know, when I was a kid, we were not even allowed to say we had guns in the house. I mean, I guess because of break-ins or whatever, my dad said, no we don't talk about we don't talk about guns and dan's dad curtis todd he was head of the arizona uh, gun owners association yeah like basically that, yeah. the azcdl before there was right. an azcdl yep. and so yeah. for him to be like but at home we we don't we don't put bumper stickers on our car you know uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting messaging thing right how much do you hide what you do and how much do you uh you know sort of um trans well the things were different there do. back then it was uh security reasons you know we didn't have the big safes and all that stuff and we're worried about theft then it got to an age of where people were embarrassed to say they had guns because oh they're so evil and I think it's come to a point now where people are saying, yeah, I've got 87 guns. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, people are starting to, to say, not be ashamed to say they own guns. 87. That's that's a good start. That's yeah. a good start. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what do you think about all that, Michael? Oh, I, uh, I agree. You know, a lot of times uh, politics in general, well, you know, the etymology of the word politics, right? Uh, poly comes from the Latin, means many ticks or small blood-sucking creatures. <laughs> I love it. Exactly. Uh, but Dave used to like to quote uh, Otto von Bismarck, who said that uh, politics is the art of the possible. Mm. And that's all, you know, it's it's really a function that, you know, people say, well, you know, we should have a, a law that does this or that. or And it's like, well, okay, but sometimes it's something we need to work towards incrementally, you know, mm -hmm. and so that's why membership and, and support over time is so important. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether people are willing to admit how many guns they have or not. <laughs> right. Yes. And, and Michael, I do agree that people should get off the couch and do something. They should do something, but at least you can do the support an oh, organization sure. doing it if you can't. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Dave likes to tell stories about walking into a, you know, subcommittee room at the Capitol and seeing a whole sea of, you know, Moms Demand Action t-shirts, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and uh, how gratified he is when he sees a whole sea of, you know, DC Project t-shirts walk in, you know, because yeah. that mm -hmm. just, it, it provides a, a, you know, an emotional boost as well as a political boost. And the politicians, so, uh, you know, whether you're able to do that or not, yeah, we, we need you. Right. And our politicians are there to hear what their constituents want. And if right. we don't say anything, but these other people are saying stuff, then who do they hear? Exactly. That's exactly. the biggest problem because their voice is a, so strong. That's right. I've been in a number of committee meetings where, you know, there's so many comments submitted through the request to speak system uh, that, you know, the chair or the vice chair will just go, oh, well, you know, we have uh, this many in favor, this many opposed. And, you know, they don't have time to go through the individual comments necessarily, but the numbers matter because that's influencing how they vote. Right. Absolutely. 
And something I want to say is that, you know, looking ahead to the future, and we are talking about something that in some ways is very Arizona centric, but it really isn't because what happens in one state impacts all states. We clearly have seen that coming from both coasts, right? New York, California, and we're, we're predicting we, whoever the we is in this scenario, that there's this red wave coming, right? Like this uh, red being, you know, the political color for uh, conservatives or Republicans. For freedom. And so um, if that is the case, then uh, I think that it actually is, some people will look at that and go, oh, so I can relax, right? We got, we got Republicans coming, Republicans automatically are gonna protect my second amendment rights and all my constitutional rights. And so all I got to do is look for an R and then check the box and then everything's good, right? Well, I think that if this red wave is really happening, it's actually a huge opportunity for wolves in sheep's clothing to sneak in there. So we really do still have to vet the people who are running for office. And then once they're in office, we have to use organizations and individual voices, organizations like the AZCDL to hold their feet to the fire, right? Um, But I think that people are going to get real apathetic again. Um, Right after President Trump was elected, they called it the Trump slump with uh, people that owned gun shops like like Danny and I at the time. Uh, And and it was like right before the election, people were buying up guns like crazy because they were afraid that they were, you know, laws were going to change if Hillary Clinton got elected. Donald Trump got elected. So people were like, that's really good then. I don't need to buy guns. I don't need to join organizations like the AZCDL. I don't have to talk to my legislators. And four years later, where are we? We've got, you know, it's a little worse. You know, it seems like every time. And so then if we go back to where, you know, Republicans are the, the main party, that doesn't automatically mean that our rights are protected or not protected. Right, and I do want to interrupt you one second because uh, Trump signed a couple of bills that were not That's in favor true. of gun owners. That's, well, so we oh, can't get off the couch. Bills, but I mean, we got to get off the couch. made a few missteps. But anyway, so, Michael. Well, um, you're exactly right, uh, Cheryl. Um, you know, and, and uh, to your point, and, um, you know, uh, Trump's administration decided that the definition of machine gun had to change to include bump stocks. You know, he, why did he do that? I don't know. Governor Ducey has an R next to his name. He has not proven to be much of a friend to firearm owners. And in the last uh, legislative session, we had a one vote margin in both the House and Senate at the state level um, of Republicans versus Democrats. Now, typically those Republicans are pro-rights, but not always. Not always. So we have to be alert. Absolutely. And, you know, having our individual voice is great. And then multiplying it with that, that synergistic effect of joining an organization like the AZCDL is even better. And I know you would agree as the new president. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. What are some of our, I think apathy is going to be one of our big hurdles in the future, but what are some of our big uh hurdles that we think we might have to to work against in the next few years um well i i think i'd be lying to you if i said that uh you know losing dave was not a hurdle uh we do have uh several other folks who are professional lobbyists including as you mentioned michael and fanzen uh, who's done a great job for us and worked with dave for several years um you know and, and those of us who had the opportunity to to be mentored by Dave. So, you know, uh, it's a challenge, but it's also one I think that we can rise to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the makeup of the legislature, you know, right now we're just kind of hanging on the hairy edge of people that would take your guns away and people that uh, are willing to help protect that right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's important to have a governor in there that when we get some good legislation passed, we'll actually sign it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, for AZCDL itself, uh, recruiting and volunteering are, are always challenges. Uh, we have a lot of folks who are willing to take time out of their day and, and help us out, uh, man those tables at events and gun shows, uh, work on our social media materials and stuff. But, 
you know, we need to focus still on recruiting on, from all those different angles and uh, getting more people off the couch. You know, some of them would rather watch Dancing with the Stars, but some of them are willing to fight for their rights. And that's what we need more of. So true. And you know what? With the AZCDL, you can have your, your phone or your laptop open. You can be watching Dancing with the Stars there and <laughs> applying to right the legislative letters that the AZCDL sends at the same time because we can multitask. We are that talented. <laughs> all right, Michael Gibbs, thank you so much for taking all of this time to come and, and talk to us about the important work that the AZCDL does for folks who are you know, just chomping at the bit, whether they're in Arizona or anywhere across the nation, they want to join this organization and help us do the important work we do. Tell them how they can do that. And if they join, they are eligible to go to this membership meeting, which is like a blink from now. So tell them how they can do all that great stuff. That's absolutely right. You can find AZCDL on our website, azcdl.org. Uh, we're also on Facebook and most of the other social media platforms. Uh, it's, uh, it's easy to do, a couple of mouse clicks, and uh, you can be a member and you can join us for the meeting and help us keep liberty at the forefront of the state uh, legislature. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. And, you know, you have uh, taken the chair that Dave Kopp sat in. You're standing in his very large shoes and uh, I know that I know that he would be proud uh, and he would be excited and encouraged that the work that he began as one of the co-founders is in very good hands. And we are going to move it forward with renewed and vigorous energy in his memory. That's right. We promised him that we would do those things. He set us on a good course. and uh, We're going to see it through. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Michael Gibbs, president of the AZCDL. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, my goodness. What a, what a um, great opportunity to remember our awesome friend, Dave Kopp, yep. and also to kind of introduce our new president, Michael Gibbs, and all the, the great work that uh, I get to do together with these people that um, are so dedicated and so forward focused. It's, it's amazing. And I get to wear the title, but truly everything is a, a group effort and a family effort. Well, we do. And if you didn't do all that you do behind the scenes, I couldn't be on all these boards and uh, help on the inside of these organizations. That emptying the garbage doesn't count, be. Cheryl. Emptying the garbage is very important. No. I no, tell you no, that we, every day. So it is a team thing. Go empty that garbage. Right. Nobody empties garbage, garbage like you, Dan. <laughs> Nobody carries luggage like I do either. That's right? true. My, my no, uh, it's e it's here. equal. We we uh, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that we do. Mm -hmm. A lot more, more behind the scenes than there is out mm -hmm. in the open. So, yeah, but it's good. Care. And you know, we need this. Um, like I said, we need those numbers up so that when we go to legislatures, they can tell that we're talking absolutely they'll they'll see the one person in front of them but then they'll understand the implications of the thousands upon thousands of people right. hopefully millions i mean seriously in a state of of seven million people if we can't even crack the million number with yeah. azcdl unacceptable but imagine if we could and we will what when when you get to that million we level will. There's not a politician out there that's not going to listen to that. Exactly. No. We, we absolutely will. Um, you know, the every organization you know goes through seasons, right? And so, right. Um, just like with our businesses, we've always been looking at that succession plan, right? So we're the founders of our businesses. We're that first generation. Well, we've spent so much time and energy laying the groundwork, right? Building the foundation, and then once that happens how quickly do the walls of a building go yeah. up and the roof comes on and then the windows yeah. and so the second generation that we can really move the ball in a, a much uh different and and i think quicker fashion plus we do have the power uh at our disposal of you know communication at the speed of a text right yeah. or the, the communicating on social media 
these kinds of things. Um, we have so much, when I look back, when they started their organization, you know, they, so many of these tools weren't available to them and yet they were able to do so much. It is, it is exciting to look into the future. And well, see where we're I, I look at that go. and I know that social media is a ticket. I mean, the computers, social media, getting out there is, is a, a ticket. Part of it. Because I look at, you know, you go and look at GoFundMe pages where some guys made a gizmo that does something and they get millions of dollars in support yeah. for these things. Yeah. What, why can't we realize that if we're going to have, we need a GoFundMe page for them, for AZCDL, <laughs> because, because guys, I mean, this is what is keeps us safe with our firearms. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's 40 bucks. Yeah. You know, not too long ago, I wrote, uh, it's been a few years ago now, but I wrote a blog for our gun freedom radio page, something along the lines of the second amendment needs a PR firm, right? Yeah. Like we just need better messaging, better opportunities to, to tell our side, that sort of thing. And um, I think once we understand that and start working in that space, yes, there are forces that are going to try to depress our message and, you know, all those sorts of things. People are shadow banned and all that stuff. But um, then I go back to, you know, our, our Christian roots. And I say, you know, talk about cancel culture, right? They, they canceled Jesus on the cross. Yeah. And did that end it? No, that absolutely didn't end. Look how many members he has now. Look how many members he has now. All right. So, wait, I, I just want to say to the 20,000 members that we have in the Arizona CDL right yes, now. Yes, thank you. I want to no, I want to say something to okay. them. Okay. Well, look right there and say it to them. Well, I'm saying it to you too because you're a member. Okay. Yes, I am. There's 20,000, right? Mm -hmm. Get one friend to join, mm -hmm. then it's 40,000. That quick, that easy. I love and that. we're not talking about hundreds of dollars. We're talking about $40. Take a friend to the gun show There's and he'll get a discount. Two weeks in the year. That's not even a dollar a week. Yeah. So just, well, maybe we have that lady that does the dog commercials for only a dollar a day <laughs> and, and play that song. But I mean, seriously, That's great. Uh, my that. friends that own guns are members of the Arizona CDL. Yeah. So I've done my part. Absolutely. Well, then you need more friends. If every one of your friends is already a member of the AZCDL, you need more friends. But that's 20,000, Cheryl. <laughs> oh, all those friends, all those people you're friends with. So anyway, have. seriously, though, we uh, think about that and we got to go. We do. Thank you so much to Michael Gibbs and to all of the uh, people that support the AZCDL with your time, your money, your volunteerism. Uh, Thank you um, to the board members of the AZCDL, you know, for, for moving that uh, message forward, moving the work forward in the second generation uh, of this organization is it, it, the future is bright and we've got to wear shades, yeah. right? Thank you so much to our amazing listeners everywhere we have the, the world has internet. We have people that are tuning in, watching our videos, listening on online. And it's amazing because you don't just listen and then the information doesn't just kind of sit with you. You move it forward. You take it around your, your dinner tables and your carpools and, and your, um, you know, your clubs and organizations. And it, that is everything. Thank you so much for that. If you want to watch this video over again, or if you want to watch any of the videos we've ever posted with all of our subject matter experts, then go to our YouTube channel, our gun streamer channel, or the Ops Lens. I see you mocking me over there, Mr. Todd, our Ops Lens smartphone app, and always click the subscribe. See that helps the, the entity, right? YouTube or gun streamer helps them know that this is valuable information, something that you want to know more about. And gun conversations are okay. And gun conversations are okay. And when you click the notifications button, not only do you get instantly notified as soon as we have new content up, but that's also a message to these, these big organizations, these social media type organizations that this is something that is, is wanted and needed. We are not fringe right? 
we are something that every mom and pops across the nation is interested in, hungry for the information. So please do those things. Now, if you're spending a day, you're on a long drive, a Sunday drive, you're on a bike ride, Where are we going? right? You're cleaning the house, you're working out and you don't have time to watch something, but you want to listen to it. Then what do you do, Dan? Listen to it. You listen to it. How do you listen to it, Dan? Oh my gosh. You go to our website, oh, the website. freedomradio.com and you click the on demand tab. And binge listen to your heart's content, darling. Okay, you got that part. You want to cue cards. I want to hold up cue cards for you. Um, yes, binge listen to your heart's content. And if you want to see the photos and bios of all of the guests we've oh, ever my. had on, that would oh, be on gunfreedomradio.com. It would be, and you click the guest tab. It's right. a tremendous resource of subject matter experts that's ever growing. And when you spend time there, we, we don't, don't hate, hate it. I <laughs> love it. All right. Well, what are we going to do until next time? Pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. What about the ones you don't like, Dan? Just a couple. You gonna pray do for I have to too? mention them right now? Can we just wait? I just want to know if you're going to pray for them. Of course I'm going to pray for them, darling. Darling, maybe especially for them, right? All right, until next time, have a great week. Be good to each other. God bless. Bye-bye.